What's up? Welcome to the Part-Time Rockstar Podcast, episode 78. Today with a pretty big-time guest, uh, Mike Schleibaum of Darkest Hour from here in Washington, D.C. They are certainly local heroes here in DMV. Um, they are a metal band that's been making records and touring the world for the last couple decades. Mike is basically the ringleader of their circus, and uh, he's also a hell of a guitar player. So uh, whether you're friends or fans of his, hopefully you enjoy the interview. Kind of talked about all kinds of stuff from different guitar players, touring in general, uh, atomic music here in College Park, uh, hardcore back in the day, and just kind of our mutual shared interest in hockey. Uh, Darkest Hour actually did some work with the Caps a couple years back, which was cool. Uh, I featured their song Timeless Numbers, which comes off 2017's Godless Prophets and The Migrant Floor, and you can find that on iTunes and Spotify, the usual places. Um, as always, thanks for listening, thanks for supporting local music. Uh, hopefully you yourself are doing alright out there. Feel free to uh, subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you might be streaming. Um, obviously, if not, no worries. And uh, in other news and notes, I guess uh, I got a pretty big weekend coming up here. A bunch of gigs and uh, actually working down in Roachfest, which is a metal fest in Southern Maryland. So I'll be part of the media for that. And uh, also you can catch my band in Ben Dahan Sunday, July 18th at Ramshead Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, definitely go check out the Darkest Hour Cartel, which is their merch site, and uh, definitely go buy all the shit if you dig it. And uh, really, without uh, further ado, we'll get to the interview with Mike Schleibaum of Darkest Hour. Hello, hello, hello. I can, I can just hold on. Let me just get rid of that. Cool, man. Well, first and foremost, um, my gratitude and thanks for uh, coming on this thing. Um, My name is Brett. Um, I just kind of play in a local band around the area. Um, But I grew up going to Atomic and stuff. And so you're just kind of one of those, one of those names, one of those dudes that just uh, always comes up. So I, uh. I follow you on the on the hipstergram, and uh, for people that don't know, it's the Riff Dojo for the guitar players out there looking for uh, some shredders to follow. So that's kind of how I uh, came across you, at least for this. Um, so it's kind of well, dude. It's nice to meet you virtually. Are you a Virginian or are you Marylander? So I am a Marylander. 
However, I uh, do work in Virginia. Um, don't want to say exactly which agency, but I know you grew up in uh, Fairfax, and uh, I think that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a Virginian. So I work you know? for a neighboring agency down there. I'm a paramedic Sick. in the fire department. So cool. I kind of, kind of live in both worlds. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just grew up around around Maryland, and uh, you know the Greenbelt sort of area. Cool, man. Well, uh, I love this area. I was born and raised here. I've been in a local band. My like. <laughs> Since I was like 15, you know what I mean? I've identified, I've identified that way myself. So uh, yeah. as also a kid who got like his third guitar at Atomic and just kept going back uh, over and over and over again, like I totally relate to being a uh, Atomic music junkie. So for anyone yeah. who's not listening to, or who's listening, is it video or is this audio? I guess I should. Uh, video I'm actually recording. Recording all right both. well either way anybody uh, who's listening so. or watching go check out atomic music in beltsville maryland you can google it it oh, is yeah. in my opinion the best music store in the world but definitely the music best music store in the area they buy sell and trade gear and i'm constantly in there getting new things and trying things out because that store has a ton of <laughs> fun like anything you can google ends up there you know yeah so it's a really great place for musicians to find things that can help like spawn their imagination and or be inspiration, you know, uh, whereas like maybe a guitar center or your local like corporate kind of store might have more modern only like yeah. there's all sorts of weird stuff hidden all over Atomic. So anyway, um, including for those who don't know, yeah, including the people there who are great, but uh, the, the people who work there, you know, that's what yeah. makes the store really special. But, uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, just wanted to send a shout out, um, because we have that in common. We're both atomic customers. Hell yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send the sound bite over to them. We'll use it as like a unofficial, <laughs> uh, advertisement. Ah, uh, shit. They don't need but... enough advert. They got enough <laughs> advertising for me, but, uh, yeah. and they got enough money because, uh, I'm buying enough guitars there. So. Yeah, I think my buddy has one of your old uh, seven-string ESPs. Oh, like, yeah, oh, well. You got to yeah. mention that, too. Like, well, it's funny because oh. with the seven-strings, man, we we have experimented. You know, we're not really like seven-string players. Yeah. So those things, also Evertunes, we've had a lot. And if I've traded them over there, it's usually to get something else that I'm like, eh, I want to try that. And, you know, obviously I love the over there signature Mike Schleibaum guitar that I'm pimping right now. But uh, for the lower tunings, we've been using the Digitech drop tune pedal and hmm. we've been modding out some of these guitars with like super fat, like 84s, like something and changing the nuts. So yeah. I, we're just not like that big into like having the sevens and the eights. So we've experimented, but that's, that's kind of like why they might end up at Atomic is that we don't really, we're not that comfortable with them the way a lot of bands that we tour with are. You know the seven yeah. string guitars yeah we like that low we like that low tuning though you know i didn't even know you could down tune with a the pedal these days i feel like everybody's showing me new stuff now and i'm like oh yeah here look like, i'm gonna give uh, you a little chase up let me show you something sweet everybody who can't yeah. see that but only hear it that's a digit drop pedal and this thing is magical 
it'll drop your guitar down eight half steps. I mean, a full octave and you just change it with this little knob right here. And we do that a lot live. Also, the Axe FX has a little pitch shifter. So yeah. we can, you can make this work with like a couple of steps in either direction with your guitar, but after a while, it kind of doesn't sound that good when you play chords. So yeah. if you can, we'll change guitars, but man, this really helps if you have a set that has like a bunch of different stuff going on and you just don't want to change guitars because you don't want to break up the flow of the set. You can get I gotcha. away with this. So yeah, that is a little tricky. Yeah. A little bit more modern, I guess, than the old school whammy pedal. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I yeah. got that over here, too, but, but this is different because it locks it in that yeah. position, and it's built to, like, track what you're playing a little bit better. So, like, mm. the whammy pedal will drop it down, but when it does that, it just sounds crazy. It's like... Yeah. Uh, but this is cool. It just kind of makes it nice and still in tune. We're um, kind of on the tech front. Um, I thought about asking you, too, do you still use amps in the studio? Um, yeah, I mean... I'm just these? curious because the plugins have gotten so good. Oh, well, like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. I was wondering how much you kind of still schlep them around or if you're still just recording all at home and just kind of how that works. Well, uh, man, I do like to use the plugins and I have a Kemper right here yeah. that you can't see and I have Axe Effects. Um, I do like to use the plugins when we're doing demos because it's a good way like to have a placeholder idea. And then if yeah. you want to change something later, you go and just punch the DI and you can make the demo sound the same. Whereas mm -hmm. if you track it with an amp or something and you want to change the idea, you have to like match the sound and it's like, so yeah. if I'm composing, uh, mm -hmm. if I'm like working on a song that I think is going to change or develop, then I'll use uh, the Kemper or I'll use a plugin like, um, I don't know, like guitar rig is one that is kind of okay. And then, uh, but then when it's time to like really track something, I like to use an amp because I like the idea of just kind of making it feel, I mean, we're recording everything in the computer, everything's so computerized, like give it some kind of, yeah. I don't know, tonal flavor. So I, I do like to use the amps and I, I love to turn them on and get them loud as hell. Uh, but I also just embrace the, the use of technology because, you know, you can't you can't hate on it when you're trying Might to well. develop develop the songs yeah. you know what i mean yeah and i imagine too like you know when you reach a kind of point in your career where studio time is i mean i won't say endless of course but you're not kind of on the, the hook like a lot of the small time bands are for time i would imagine you know taking the time to be able to to really get the amps dialed in and everything like that isn't as much of an issue Whereas I know some of the people that I'm friends with now, it's they often just kind of use the plugins for saving time. Honestly. <laughs> oh man, like, I, I'm like, the same way. Like I, 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 I if if I want to get something good right away, yeah, I'll pop in the plugin. But I think when it's something that we're gonna attempt to like put out and sell to people, I think it's yeah. important to kind of like go that extra mile and make it as good as you want it to be. But we're not that religious about it man we'll use yeah. it we'll use a plug-in on a record if you're blending it with stuff i mean we're mm -hmm. not like uh like anti but yeah. yes we love amps we love their to their beautiful toys look at them all with these knobs yeah. back there yeah so i mean that's what you're working on now kind of right is the uh the new record um i saw <laughs> that it was uh pretty well crowdfunded it looked like overall. oh well 
well, or... we we finished our last record was crowdfunded on Indiegogo. Okay. Uh, but our next record is actually we're funding it through Patreon, which the band gotcha. is doing right now. So if anybody mm. knows what that is or can Google it, Darkest Hour has a Patreon where you can go and subscribe. We're doing all yep. sorts of fun physical stuff like, uh, look, check this out. We got a bunch of, we're working on a sticker pack. Sweet. Cool, cool, weird Darkest Hour stickers, like the head from the new record right there. <laughs> nice. And, uh, one for my guitar. Here's a cool one. So like, uh, we did, we did records, we did wall flags, we did t-shirts. We're doing all sorts yeah. of like weird things over there. Um, and then we're also funding the making of a record, which I'm working on. Uh, with the yeah. guys which is album 10 and we have a lot of different songs a lot of different uh, it's all over the place but it's a good place to be um so it's coming together and i also have another band called be well that has a brand new record that's going to be coming out and had a record just come out during the pandemic too been working yeah. on that and so between the two bands definitely that's been like 100 percent of my creative time uh yeah other than a bunch of the other crap that I've been working on. It's a lot, man. Staying busy. How many hours a day would you say are you kind of in the lab, as it were? I mean, I don't think it's not really about how many hours I'm here. It's about what time am I not here? Because I mean, I basically, like I live here now. Everybody lives here now, too. The family's upstairs. Like I'm at, I'm at my house. Like I used to have a standalone studio that i would drive yeah. to and shit and dude it just like i was spending so much time in the car it got maddening but yeah. then i'm so glad i set this up before the pandemic because now i have a place to work but uh yeah we're just working at it we're working at it all the time man like uh it's not a job that you like stop working at like you mm -hmm. clock out like it's just something you love that you sort of just like are insanely intense about 24 hours a day so it's a little weird yeah. to be around me and me and a bunch of these dudes so but my wife does a good job and there are some normal people that we do interact with so shout out to those people <laughs> yeah well like i said i think it's kind of inspiring for uh some of us part-timers out there who are all you know still working still aspiring to maybe uh get to a point where we could kind of just work on the things that we love but you know it's one of those uh patience things and um <clears throat> I did hear you talk on another podcast. I think it was the 100 Words podcast. And you kind of mentioned the, uh, I don't know, the good parts of having a strong work ethic. Um, you know, not necessarily just in the creative field. And oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I hit on that because I wanted, I wanted to bump in there and say, I think there's like a really big misconception about what a part-time musician is. Okay. Yeah. Because to me, this idea pisses me off, okay? Mm -hmm. Because being a musician is not a job. It's like an yeah. act, you mm -hmm. know? Like, uh, as in, like, a physical act of doing, not an act as in, like, a play. Yeah. When you're an artist, you create. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to also dig a ditch or go fucking, you know, yeah. uh, check somebody out at Walmart because you're a, a teller. You know, mm -hmm. like... Uh, a real art is honest so it, it comes from honest people it doesn't just come from people who are fucking w whatever dedicated to playing guitar all day or something you know yeah. so i think and and also i want to say music can be a lot of different things in a lot of different people's lives but it can play a really important role even if it's not the biggest thing you do all the time 
Yeah. And I think that there's this virtuoso effect, you know, that people push on people all, you know, maybe it's more American or than it is anything else, but it's like this idea that, you know, if you try something, you have to be good at it or whatever, or excel yeah. at it. So I guess what I'm getting to is that people that do part-time music shouldn't mm -hmm. feel that way because all music really is kind of part-time. Like everybody who's an artist is one step away from also, you know, washing dishes somewhere or something if they, if they yeah. got desperate enough. So uh, I don't think there's any problem with people like, having bands while they have jobs and being people that have jobs. Like I own a car dealership and I have a band that plays yeah. ska or something, <laughs> whatever, you know? Uh, but yeah. I think it's important for people to make music and express themselves rather than just be like in cover bands and shit like that too. So I encourage people to do all of those things. Like if you aren't in a band for a living, that doesn't matter, you know, and it's okay to make your, your songs and play them to nobody if that's what it takes, because like, you know, the act of making the art and being with the band and stuff is kind of a gift too. So I always like to throw it in there when people bring that yeah. up because I feel like they look at me as like a full timer and uh, which is true. But I just think that at the end of the day, if your song slams, like it doesn't matter what the fuck you do, <laughs> you know, after no. you played it. Yeah, I mean, maybe to even build on what you just said, I mean, one of the things that I like about your guys' music is that there's a lot of forward direction. Like, there's a really strong point to make, and there's passion behind it. And I'm not completely sold that that can come from just sitting around all day trying to be a guitar virtuoso, like you said. Maybe oh, no, you have to get out. you got to get into the world and interact with like, people find out what to write about, find out how to interact with people so that you can, because music isn't just about like performing, it's about connecting yeah. and you can't do that if you're like so different than everybody else you're trying to connect with, you know? Yeah, I mean, we could all maybe aspire to be Steve Vai or something, but even at the end of the day, I'm sure he had a job back in the day and was, uh, you know, plunging toilets or something. Oh yeah, to, he he worked. He's worked yeah. really hard, and he yeah. still works really hard on what he what he does. And he's still really accessible. Steve Vai has a Patreon, also. You know, true. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he puts in the work. He's self released records when people don't want to do it. He's yeah. probably shelved records that he put a ton of energy into to to you know to protect his creative brand. I mean, I think uh, I definitely look at him as like, yeah, dude, he's a sick ass guitar player, but I also see him as a real person because he's like clearly built something that was like a lot of work on his own. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, I'm sure you have like kind of some firsthand knowledge of that as well. To me, he's probably some sort of ethereal guitar guy. I mean, he's but, a God. Um, he's the, he's but, the biggest, you know. <laughs> like who's big, who's bigger. He's the best. He's the best. I've tried to play that solo in Crossroads, and it's <laughs> it's just stupid. Hey, me and you both. Um, I I know parts so, of it, but you know what's funny is uh, we toured with this band Fallujah, yeah. and the guitar player in that band he he's funny. He could play a bunch of shit, and I was like, oh yeah, man, you ever seen the movie Crossroads? And that dude could rip that fucking whole thing from the arpeggio in the beginning. Wow. Yeah. you know what i mean and it was just like damn hey but i'm just like you that shit's hard i mean that shit is yeah. hard <laughs> my, my level of expertise kind of stops around the van halen 
Uh, hey man, Van Halen is so, really hard too. I'm constantly uh, learning how to play those songs. Even the riffs are hard because they have swing to them. So, yeah, you know. that's, he was never really appreciated for that, was he? I don't know. No, but I I love ACDC if I'm going to get simple. I encourage people yeah. to just learn some ACDC songs, man. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that's kind of how you got started. And then, uh, and then I also heard you got into the Pantera a little bit there. And for me, that's, I don't know. Dimebag is probably king, so I figured I had to at least bring him up. Oh yeah, during R- this chat, R.I.P. So, dude. Um, yeah. For me, I got into classic rock first. Like I got into yeah. ACDC, Van Halen, Ozzy, mm-hmm. and then I was of the age where Pantera broke in front of my eyes. You know, so yeah. I saw Vulgar Display of Power come on MTV, and then Pantera rise yeah. up, and then Dimebag become the guy on the cover of every guitar magazine, and so that dime to me is like my van halen too but then something else happened where i live in washington dc and i was exposed to like uh discord records fugazi the punk the hardcore that we have Mm -hmm. the huge i'm wearing a minor threat shirt like you know yeah so that really took my like musical life in another direction that was around when pantera had finished putting out far beyond driven at that point i sort of had gotten into like straight edge hardcore vegan uh stuff like earth crisis Snapcase, integrity kind of these uh kind of these east coast uh metal hardcore bands that were coming up in the 90s and i sort of lost interest in the greats and I mean, I still yeah. checked out every Pantera record when they came out, but I identified more as like a hardcore kid. But Dime yeah. always stayed in my top five, man. You know, he always, yeah. even even on the records that were later, like the Damage Plan records that I don't love the songs, I always loved his playing, you know, and uh, it's too bad. That had some, some down-tuning on it for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got a lot yeah. of the down-tuning from Dime and also kind of the idea that you could have like these more like kind of pounding riffs yeah. you know chugging and stuff like that yeah and i mean it's cool you brought up the punk thing as well i mean i know you were into hardcore and that was uh probably a generation i guess before mine i'm about uh 30 right now and um it's funny because i guess there's sort of a there was maybe a little bit of a new wave of punk, if you will, about 10 years ago, especially I feel like here in Baltimore um, with bands like the Casualties. And I wanted to bring up Municipal Waste, too, because I know you guys were uh, on the road with them for at least a tour or two. Um, yeah, we watched their entire rise to, uh, you know, their rise from like party band to real band yeah. to festival headliner because <clears throat> they're in the they're in the area, too. And also... We've got some other great bands in the area, man. Pig Destroyer yeah. is yeah. a killer band from from metal band from this area. So there are a lot of bands who sort of grew from the fertile ground that is D.C., Baltimore. Uh, and and yeah. the thing that it was interesting about the early 90s was you you had this second wave of hardcore kind of like what would become metalcore that – yeah. really really spawned victory record style bands you know what i mean and that whole subgenre of heavy music and it has become its like owned thing now and also the internet sort of did away with the whole subculture of it but yeah. made its own genre and so 
we were just sort of surfing along as we were developing as a band. And then sort of as the internet was created around our like third record, then we sort of became that band moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the early years, it was really like a blend between like a punk rock show, hardcore show and heavy metal show. And they were definitely like secular. It was separate, yeah. you know, but nowadays, man, shit's all messed up and that's the way it should be. But like back then it was like, there was kind of things that were sort of like made these things real foreign, but now it's like kind yeah. of normal what we're all talking about. Yeah. Everything's definitely blended now genre wise, which definitely not a bad thing. I often wonder though, I mean, for sure, you know, what that scene was like, like kind of the point of doing a podcast or anything like this is to just create a little mesh a little network between bands you know but i feel like nowadays it's nothing almost compared to what it was then as far as bands i don't know just pulling each other along or maybe they just got into the the got to open for somebody and the next thing you know they're a thing and well i feel like I, I, uh, that's well, missing bands... a little more yeah I, I i don't know because i'm i'm old or whatever yeah. but i think that's what you're talking about is called scenes. I do yeah. think scenes exist. And mm -hmm. Darkest Hour is still part of one in a sense that when we tour with certain bands like Unearth uh, or I don't know, Himsa or like, uh, let me see, Dillinger Escape Plan or like uh, Asley Dying or like, you know, kind of like that between the buried and me, sort of that general yeah. circle. That's sort of like our scene. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And we we kind of exist in there. And for, for a long time, we sort of like fought it, tried to tour with more death metal bands, tried to tour with punk bands. Yeah. You know, uh, but you kind of end up where your fans are. You know, like other fans also listen to type thing. So I yeah. think what we do now is we try to embrace like what our fans seem to, to navigate to and i think we end up sort of in a scene a little bit now and i think it's not necessarily bad because you sort of like uh streamline people that are paying attention but it is you know unfortunate because we do like to just we like to play to people who have never seen someone use a double bass pedal before because <laughs> yeah. not only are you like blowing their mind with a bunch of other shit, like the way maybe John's vocals sound, but you're also just like, you know, changing their global sense of reality because once they know about one band that plays double bass style music, they yeah. find out about all these other types of bands. So I don't know, like, uh, I think there, there's a little bit out of, of that in there in us still, but uh, all the tours we do now are really like down the yeah. middle pretty pretty much in a scene of style so i don't know you know but one day you might see us out there again with anti-flag or some weird ass band that doesn't <laughs> make sense and that's because we just like to we just like to shake it up yeah man have you guys been able to get out at all in the last i don't know six months since kind of the the sanctions have lifted or uh well <clears throat> we got together and worked on a record together finally after a while everybody had been vaccinated long enough and followed yeah. all the rules so that we could like get together and breathe all over each other. <laughs> and we uh, got together for six weeks, um, you know, uh, about a month and a half ago. And yeah. we were together every day, just banging it out, made a sketch of the album and sort of just got prepared for uh, our return to the stage, which is this September, the 
uh, 26th at the Furnace Fest in Alabama. So we're just kind of focused on that as a band. And I don't think we'll get together as a big group again until September. But it's the summer and everybody's sort of trying to soak it in because we have a lot of tours and events planned for next summer. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you guys will get some good crowds, man. Even the local shows over this summer have been way more full than they were two years ago, I guess, prior to the pandemic. So it's been pretty wild. So hopefully you guys really get after it or able to to go for it down there. Because I know, especially the further you go south, too, the crowds are getting even bigger. Well, I have a feeling like uh, it's crazy because I'm, you know, my phone, I've got a bunch of friends in bands and they've started yeah. playing shows. They started, you know, and they're all over everywhere. And it, you definitely, the one unifying thing, no matter if you're in the south, you're in the north, it's that, or the west or the east or whatever, central. Yeah. People want to get together and see music and feel some kind of normalcy. So, like, I do think that people in the north and, and people in the, in, in the cities who might be more prone to be all about vaccinations, I think they're going to get together because they're going to want to believe that the vaccinations are working. And then if, in the places in the right. south where it's hot or whatever, where people maybe haven't seen as the same impacts of covid and they don't have the same perspective you know i think they're going to get together just because they're like fuck it finally we can get together yeah. you know i think the europeans even though they're cautious they're going to get together because they they just like everybody else want to feel that sense of community so i just think it's a matter of trying to just be patient and let the let society take deal with the whiplash of all those people that unfortunately died and then you know eventually if everybody's just cool man we're gonna be fucking rocking again you know yeah man for sure it's cool you guys have been able to kind of lay low and, and stay patient until September. we've been for we've definitely so. been fortunate to have this cool space and to have the time to be able to work with people and like to be able to have the uh privilege to be you know have everything you need delivered to you whenever the fuck you want it you know that's the way everybody <laughs> yeah. so we're we're grateful that that we are in that position. And I think that's what I mean when I talk about people that work hard and have to do tough shit right now. Like, I think that's, that's, there's a sense of like, they're gonna, if they survive it, they're gonna live through it and it's gonna make them stronger. And if you end yeah. up just focused on sitting in your little dojo, that's it all the time, <laughs> then you might lose grip on reality because it's definitely yeah. privileged to be down here. So we keep, we try to keep that perspective on, you know? Yeah. And from the uh, perspective of the DoorDasher, by the way, the tips were good. So I'm, Fuck I yeah, man. That. Hey, so, man, every every dude that's in your favorite band is one step uh, away from being a DoorDasher too, man. So, so don't don't hate. I was a bike messenger so, for almost a decade before 9-11. So I know all nice. about delivering packages and then yeah. rocking shows. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I just kind of picked that up part-time. It was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a couple couple main subjects we got to get to uh probably first and foremost is hockey i don't know oh shit i just got to throw that out there because uh i know you guys are big caps fans you've even been on like the uh i feel like the caps post game before and um you know maybe got a few tunes thrown in there yeah so, we love uh, the caps we love the caps we love to talk about hockey i mean like we have uh been on channel four we did some stuff with them and yeah. the cap show there and we did a bunch of songs that were picked up by the caps eventually used by them in some kind of editing mm -hmm. and mainly uh 
the crux of it is we were inspired by i think i think mainly that the pantera dallas stars song that oh, yeah. we loved when they were kids that was basically a cowboys from hell mashup yeah. and we were like yeah man we should do uh something for for, for the caps man because i grew up playing hockey i grew up loving yeah. hockey grew up like that connection was there between metal and hockey for me mm-hmm. and so we did it for fun with the first song and nobody in the band believed that anyone would care and we they just did it because i was so passionate about it and then yeah. it caught on so we did a second one uh called rock the red first the first one was called let's go caps the second one was called rock the red just a stupid little fight song jingle you can put on videos and then that got picked up and used in games and that was exciting so then we kind of toughened it up and we put out unleash the fury and that year all i'm gonna say is the caps won the fucking stanley cup so i'm not saying we did it but i'm saying (laughs) we also we did it yeah did you make it out to any of those parties Hell yeah, we went yeah. we saw Fallout Boy play a game yeah. six or something in the street. Uh, yeah. We were trying to play ourselves, but I think they were afraid that the show would be too violent. <laughs> too many mosh pits. Been. Yeah, they were really afraid of a mosh pit on 8th Street. But we, yeah. we tried, we tried hard. Yeah. Uh, and then that when that didn't work out, um, we, we got to go chill in the owner's box. That was sick, party nice. up there. And yeah. it party with the whole news for news team yeah. or whatever, just kick it with them. Yeah. And they were like, had no idea who we were, but it was like <laughs> totally hilarious. So uh, we, we were really appreciative of the, that, that opportunity. Uh, but just going to throw it out there. The one thing that's polarizing about sports is competition because you yeah. kind of need competition for it to exist, but you don't need competition for music to exist. And that's why it always, why I I was always drawn to it more than hockey when I was a kid, even though I loved hockey and uh, you know, going out there and being all about the caps, you know, sometimes it can piss off your most favorite fan from Pittsburgh, you know, or your fan loves you from fucking Philadelphia, but it's got a (laughs) flyers back piece tattoo, you know? So I, you know, we love sports, but we hate division and we hate polarization and we definitely don't really thrive on competition internally so we appreciate people that don't give a fuck about hockey or sports too of course (laughs) and we have all types in our band we have hockey fanatics to people that fucking hate sports (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just i gotta bring it up because i still play so hell uh, yeah man i do every once in a while but i get a little too sore afterwards so yeah fucks with my playing Mm. also the hands you don't want to break those Eh, so i'm not gonna i mean I mean, I'm 44. We're not going to get that serious out there. But you never know what could happen on the ice. Yeah. These things got to get insured, baby. Exactly. (laughs) I broke mine last year out there. Shit. I had to play with a a cast on for a while. So. All right. You just talked me out of it. I'm a little more, a little more careful than I I used to be about it. But, but yeah, man, that's cool. Um, and then you got a few more things going on. I mean. Kind of even in and out of music, you got the uh, Ask the Dude advice column. Uh, oh, yeah. Kind of similar thing to maybe even this podcast or other podcasts where kind of just sharing tidbits from the road or from whatever it may be within the industry. So that's, that's well, cool. a- actually, Ask the Dude is not a podcast, although it, I talked about it. It's a blog. Yeah. yeah. And I did it like if you can imagine 
before social media existed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I sort of like uh, to step a couple steps back uh, in my other life before I was a full time rock star. I also went to college and got a degree in social work. Yeah. Uh, BS from uh, George Mason University here in Virginia. And then I basically promptly went on to do nothing with it because I wanted to rock, like uh, Twisted His Sister says. I just went on tour right away. But uh, the social work perspective was always there. I mean, the skills, the communication, uh, awareness, you know, like the techniques, all that stuff. It's like in your head, it's part of who you are after you go yeah. to school for it long enough. And so I always wanted to experiment with the idea of using the family perspective, sort of the communication tools of families within social work, uh, the way social workers work with families basically in sort of like transpose that's the way that bands operate because bands are tricky, you know, no, no bands inner family is the same, but you know, no family really is the same. So social work yeah. has to be malleable and there's some room in there. So started trying to develop the idea by just taking letters and writing people back. And then I started mm -hmm. publishing the letters on a WordPress press blog. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. I've gathered a lot of really information. I was trying to cook up a book idea, but then I just kind of like uh, social media was invented, which basically was like, ask the dude in real time because if people had a question, they could just hit me up right away. And yeah. for a minute that served a purpose. So I sort of moved on from the blog, but now years later there's like been a lot of talk about like mental health awareness and sort of like mm -hmm. the awareness of of people in general and talking about like are you okay am i okay type thing and i thought it would be a unique experience to bring the blog back and sort of flip the conversation because right now i'm doing a shit ton of podcasts like i never shut up yeah. <laughs> i mean my story's been told a million times so I just sort of wanted to hear more about people, like what they yeah. were going through, what they, you know, if they were musicians, what they might want to ask someone who has the unique perspective of having a bachelor's degree in social work and also toured professionally in the band for two decades and survived yeah. the creation of the internet and 11 different record deals. And you know what I mean? Several bad tattoos. And you pull that guy <laughs> you those yeah. together and ask that guy, you know, and so that's where we're at. And so if anybody has any questions that you can ask the dude at askthedude.net, you just go there and type in a question and, and hit it. And eventually I'm going to be answering them, but I'm yeah. not sure in what kind of fashion, whether I'll relaunch the blog or whether I'll partner with another media partner, like a magazine or someone to do it. But either way, the information is going to get out there. And I think the most important thing is talking about <clears throat> bands, understanding that they do act like a family that, interpersonal communication skills and bands it's okay to practice it's okay to fail at it's okay to address you know and it's okay to work work on them to make your band stronger and that it is absolutely a part of making music together which i think is starting to be a lost art because of the way everybody creates on computers so i think that there's a lot of <clears throat> connection between the communication skills and social work and music and so that's what that conversation is and it's probably really heady for a lot of people maybe that, and shout out to all those social yeah. workers out there who actually did do some social work and do put in the hard work and hopefully yeah. need some melodic death metal for their day because that's what i got <laughs> yeah. for them yeah you can never underestimate the importance and there's like two directions i kind of want to take the conversation based on what you just said i mean 
with the social stuff, I mean, I could see it anytime I went to work, you know, especially during the pandemic, but even prior, like the amount of psych calls that we get, the amount of loneliness that's out there, the anxiety, the panic, the uh, detachment, all that stuff, it's very real. So, I mean, what you're doing there on the social front is, is pretty cool. And, you know, anybody who's trying to do it, you never know how much you're helping because, I mean, there's definitely a shortage I think for people yeah, that can help. And, and music speaks yeah. to people when they have problems. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. like sometimes people are willing to like open up to like an artist that they feel like they've been talking to for years, like randomly. And I'll tell you, mm -hmm. I know that from like my perspective, like I've had discussions with people about shit they wouldn't tell their family, but I think they might yeah. think that we are more intimate because all they do is listen to darkest hour, you know? And yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, some people might be like, Whoa, man, like why the fuck are you throwing this on me? But like, I mean, we're kind of a open dressing room kind of policy band. So we're into that type of shit. So I think it fits. And I do think yeah. like what you said about the pandemic and just in general, what's out there right now, I think it's important to like, you know, uh, be open about it. You know, and be like, when you see us, when you see Darkest Hour, we look like we are fucking always partying because yeah. we are usually having a good time. But that doesn't mean that we're always happy either or that doing anything awesome is this easy. So yeah. it might look easy, but that's the whole point. Supposed yeah. to look, you know, so I just think you can you can you can bend on that and you can tell people the truth and you can still be the uh, magical musician for them. And I think it's kind of, of fun to play play on both yeah and then um i guess the other thing i kind of wanted to expound on a little was uh, you mentioned the gang mentality within a band and it you know maybe even being a little bit of a lost art and that's something that i think feel like i've talked about with other people too um because it it's hard to find you know especially maybe as you get older but um it's cool you guys have been able to kind of keep that mentality within your unit you know um yeah well i i wouldn't call it a gang it's more of a family because gangs yeah. operate a lot gangs operate a well, lot yeah. more viciously <laughs> a lot more viciously i mean yeah we it might look like a gang but it's a fucked up family and you know yeah. it's a fucked up family even when people like are not in the band or were in the band or even worked for the band you know what i mean so uh we i do feel thankful that we have had that culture for a long time but yeah. i think uh a lot of bands don't realize be you know quite so much that they're responsible for their inner band kind of yeah. vibe you know what i mean and i also think that there's a lot of people that i don't know they they do things because they think that it like that's the way it's supposed to look you yeah. know and uh i think once you kind of get this I don't know. We were talking about sports. It's sort of like a combination of like locker mm. room, like meets, like artist convention kind of. It's just like, yeah. it's not macho, but it definitely is like sweaty and smelly. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Mm. But yeah, being in a band, in a band that's like, like almost died together, been arrested together, uh, sat in, uh customs deportation window sections for hours together uh you know been through the loss of loved ones together just like when you go yeah. on tour tour a shitload you go through a lot of bullshit 
a lot yeah. of just sitting around at fucking Taco Bell because there ain't nowhere else to eat and just being like, fuck, you know, and that <laughs> stuff feels like it's worthless. But then after a while, you realize that that kind of pulls you guys all together in a weird way. And it makes it mm. feel like you're around a bunch of fucking crazy people once people are around us. So, you know, yeah. I think that uh, uh, it's good. It's a blessing and a curse. But uh, I, I would encourage people to try out being in a band if they're not, because it's pretty awesome. Well said. And it also kind of answers um, one of my buddies, Walter, uh, from PRS, wanted to ask you, uh, after being on the tour with the same people for so many months at a time, do, you know, how do you feel the uh, connections between members change and all that? So I feel like you definitely basically already answered his question. But, I mean, no, you know, the, the answer... Was, well, cool. they... The answer to that question also is like the longer, the more you get to know someone, the more, the more mean you can be to them. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, like you can be the best of friends with someone, but also the, the, you know, the more that you're around them and the more familiar you get with them, the, the more you can also hurt them. So you have to be aware of that, you know, yeah. because like familiarity can bring, you know, friendliness, but it can also bring contempt. And you just, contempt yeah. It can't, it can't, it isn't always. Yeah. That's not always true or every marriage would end. Not only happens, you know, so. No, that's cool. Um, just wanted to get his question in. But like I said, you were kind of already going down that avenue anyway. So I figured I'd get him a shout out because he's a big fan. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, I really just kind of appreciate you coming on and, and just talking to random people and doing stuff like this, doing podcasts and all that, because I feel like it definitely does matter. And it, it is inspiring to people out there who are working on their stuff and, you know, just trying to get better and, and you know, getting those creative outlets going. So this has been pretty fun. Um, really, probably just kind of wind it down. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you, have you been on uh, Bet You Can't Play This on Guitar World? I know you've been in the mag. I was wondering oh, if you've got man. any riffs in. No. I mean, dude, you can play this. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's my answer. You, you yeah. can play. I mean, we're we're very hard, but like, uh, just like, I don't know, man. We shred pretty hard, but we don't shred that hard. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? I don't know. It never appealed to me because like, I don't think that I can do anything that's, insane enough but then at the yeah. same time i was doing like filming a guitar lesson recently for the with esp of like what i figured to be like one of our simpler solos right yeah. and this was like a whole bunch of people around guitar lessons all the time and they were like categorizing what i was doing as like you know the top level of of hardness you know yeah. what i mean and i'm like i'm like wait this is in the top level. I mean, what about all these other <laughs> other players? They're way it's yeah. way harder to play fucking anything off of the audience's, you know, anything off of the Steve Vai record Passion and Warfare yeah. like than this. You can't put those in the same category. There's got to be like an extra extra extra. But the reality is like once you get to one, a certain level of playing, you you're looking for something, you know, and yeah. I think at some point they were like, "Oh yeah, you're just up there." And I was like, "Oh, okay." But uh, no, yeah. I've never been on the column. Uh, maybe one day, but man, magazines are different yeah. now. So that's true. Uh, but I have done plenty of lessons and bullshit out there. So don't worry, you got plenty of media me doing shit. Yeah. But y'all can play this. So go buy the Darkest Hour tab <laughs> books on our Big Cartel web store. We got it, Big Cartel or DarkestHour.BigCartel.com. <laughs> we sell all the tablature, all the fucking maps to play all the songs. 
you guys can go yeah. get on there and learn how to play them. So we're more of a bet you can play this type yeah. band. And know? I guess to clarify too, then you're not a gang, you're a cartel. <laughs> you're you're <Yeah>. a level up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to stay away from all criminal references because we want to stay out of jail. <laughs> of course. Um, I guess personally, I just, I feel like one more question maybe before we get out of here. Um, I'm always curious about people's favorite places they've played. If something stands oh, out shit. to you, something about the venue, something about the crowd, I don't know. I mean, I realize there's probably a million, but. Uh, well, something. okay. Favorite places, man. Uh, of Washington, D.C., man. Hometown where all your friends are at, man. It's badass. Okay. Yeah. Los Angeles, California, dude. Yeah. Home of the Sunset Strip, glam rock, man. Mm. Everything feels better and out like more big. Okay, or or maybe you love Budapest, man. Maybe go exotic. Mm. I love Budapest. Always great shows. Czech Republic. We love playing in yeah. the East. Germany, dude. Berlin, Munich, yeah. uh, Hamburg. You know, Leipzig. We love Germany. Yeah. Uh, but also Asia, dude. Japan, mm. uh, Australia, Sydney. Uh, the Gold Coast, man, Perth, all the way out there, yeah. Adelaide, you know, Melbourne. We like all the cities and, you know, all six of the cities in Australia. Uh, we had a great time. We played New Zealand, but we've only done that a few times. Same with Philippines. Uh, we only done those trips to Asia a few times in those countries, or maybe only once. So we love playing over there. Need to get over there more. Um, but I think the true answer is we like playing places because we like we're tourists. We yeah. like to go, so we like we liked playing in Moscow, even though it wasn't like the most rip roaring crowd. So I think our criteria yeah. of what is uh, the best place to play is that wherever there's an adventure, you know what I mean. Yeah, and we sense. also we love to be loved. I mean, don't get me wrong, we we love to rock yeah. that show to like thousand people who lose their shit or whatever, <laughs> but or the big festival of twenty thousand people. Yeah. But we, you know, really like to just play somewhere where we also just went and saw some awesome sightseeing shit, had some new food, tried some new alcohol, and now we're going to rock. That's like our ideal <laughs> yeah. situation. doesn't matter what, where, it's just the idea of something new. That's kind of what we're always chasing. So yeah. that's a long answer for your question. I should have just said Washington, D.C. No, that's cool. Anywhere where you can get the uh, the fancy liquor, the Aguardiente or the uh, Absinthe or, you know. Oh, we're not fancy. We like Jack Daniels, Miller okay, Lite. perfect. Yeah. We like Jack Daniels, Miller Lite. That's... Uh, maybe if you're feeling fancy, maybe Corona. There you go. That's one of the other questions I always ask bands is uh, Jameson or Jack. So. Well, everybody that. else in my band would say Jameson and then I yeah. would say Jack. And then they would yeah. be pissed at me. But then somebody would say, well, can we get more Jack if we pick Jack than Jameson? Yeah. Get a Because <laughs> we like going. volume. We, no. We don't like, we, <laughs> you know, stuff owns you, man. We'll just buy the alcohol and drink it. Because, you know, yeah. I like I said, uh, most of the guys would pick Jameson. I would pick Jack, but we would all drink whatever was there. True. As long as it's on the rocks. Can't drink it well, warm. Well, I don't know. If you gotta drink it, <laughs> if it's warm. Uh, um. So yeah, I'll probably feature just the latest release on this episode, unless um, you got another one in mind. But nothing but the truth was probably what I was gonna slap cool. on here. That's so, a good jam. Well, thank right. you for having me on, dude. Thank you yeah, for dude. doing your podcast. Don't stop doing that. Also, appreciate you for your hard work in the real world, doing your real shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Relatively and, speaking. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, do, you know, 
don't forget to make some art every once in a while put it out there yourself you know what i mean that's yeah, man. that's that's what it's all about so cheers to you and everybody out there i'm gonna go back to my day of uh playing with all these awesome shit over here and uh i don't know hey holler at me when you see me in the streets that's what i tell people like you see yeah. me at atomic say what's up dude yeah, I might be like in my own zone or talking on the phone or just yip yapping <laughs> and never shutting up and not, but I will pay attention and I love yeah. to say what's up to people. So holler at your boy if you see me in real life and otherwise I'll, we'll be seeing you on tour. Hopefully, you know, you live around yeah, here, man. so we're going to be playing soon enough. I'll see you out there, dude. Like Cheers, said, dude. Thanks again. Yeah, Appreciate man. it a lot. So have a good day, man. So yeah, I want to thank Mike for coming on the show, and thank you for listening. If you made this far, the song you're hearing in the background is called Timeless Numbers, which comes off of one of their more recent releases. And other than that, have a good week.